Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal. And I am here tonight with Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Good. Good. I'm working on a little bit of either allergies or a cold. I'm not quite sure yet what it is, but uh, mm-hmm. not feeling too bad. Just tired. Bruce, uh, how are you doing? Oh, very well tonight. Thank you. Uh, uh, very uh, uh, uplifting hockey game. There you go. Oh, I lost your sound, Bruce. You must have pulled the plug when you. Oh, there you're back. I muted to sneeze. Just oh, that was a good. Me real fast. So that was good. Talked about a cold, and I got it over the internet. <laughs> you were as you were as cool with that mute button as Evander Kane in front of the net. I have oh. to say that was very well done. <laughs> yeah, Bruce, that was like I thought this was going to be a titanic struggle this game, and it was. The first period was very tense. Mm-hmm. But then, uh, well, my son Jack texted me. He said he thought that might have been the order's most dominant second period of the season it's their skill really took over like in a way that we haven't seen against the flames for like forever like how long have we seen the orders dominate the orders skill dominate the flames and really separate the two teams like a, a marked mm-hmm. separation i thought in this game uh because of the order skill even though in the end the grade a shots were close we had it at um 18 grade A shots for the Oilers, 16 for the Flames. But in the subset of the most dangerous grade A shots, the five alarm shots, it was 9-7 for the Flames. Now, we're going to get into why that got close. It was a, There were some score effects there. Yeah. <coughs> so, um, anyway, we'll, we'll talk about that. Definitely so. This is our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast, Bruce, because it's a big Oilers win. We'll go with two good things each. Why don't you kick it off? Sure. Uh, I'm going to... Um uh, triple out Edmonton's first line of uh, Connor McDavid between Evander Kane and now playing right wing Leon Dreisaitl after uh, the last couple of years mostly playing center or left wing you know Leon uh, is uh, moving around I thought all three of them had uh, uh, terrific games tonight uh, and among them 10 points uh, four assists for Dreisaitl plus four three assists for McDavid plus four uh, three goals, of course, for Evander Kane, plus two. And uh, Kane was, uh, uh, he managed to score a natural hat-trick in the second period in just a six-minute span between 6.58 and 12.58. And all three of them, five-alarm slam dunks from uh, the edge of the crease. Two where he went right across the, uh, uh, took the pass and made the duck to the inside and beat Mark- Markstrom. Uh, to the glove side post and the third where the pass was so good he just had to slam it into the net from basically almost inside the blue paint uh, but the boys were dangling they had a puck on a string um, McDavid made four, five, six <clears throat> one-on-one moves where he broke somebody's ankles <laughs> like just these these quick spins that he's doing and, and these unpredictable He's like Mercury, you know, you, you got him in there and, and uh, uh, you think you've got him contained and he just kind of jiggles it and all of a sudden he squirts through a, a hole that wasn't even there before and the puck somehow goes through a different hole and he, he and it come out the other side together. And man, I mean, that that one on Eric Goodbranson tonight, big, big lumbering Eric Goodbranson where... Uh, McDavid reversed and he tucked the puck through his skates and came out. Oh, then he tried to set up Kane for a fourth 
goal. And uh, the other defenseman, probably Zadorov, I think it probably was, uh, broke up the pass, or that would have been a highlight reel goal for for, <clears throat> for all times. But uh, uh, he was dancing and dishing. And uh, uh, Leon looked pretty good, I thought, uh, um, tonight, skating. And uh, certainly passing, making good, smart passes with the puck. He had four shots on goal of his own, but his his points were all assists. And they were, you know, all good, sharp passes. Uh, uh, on the game opening goal, to uh, which scored by Zach Hyman, uh, where McDavid made a, a dazzling rush up the boards, and he passed it to Dreisaitl in the middle of the ice. Leon. Markstrom was coming out to play Leon, and he just spunted it over about eight feet to Hyman on the right of him, and Markstrom was swimming, trying to trying to cover the angle, and I think he just kind of lost his post, and Zach Hyman quickly told him where the post was by wringing the puck off of it on its way into the net, perfect shot, and then they were away, I mean, that was uh, 52 seconds into the second period, and by the end of, really by the 13-minute mark of that period, it was 4 nothing Edmonton, and Basically, uh, on cruise control thereafter. Well, we'll talk a little bit about that. But uh, that second period show was just astonishing. And that big line, 29, 97, 91, were uh, front and center. That was uh, showtime, Bruce. Mm-hmm. That was right out of the LA Lakers, 1980s. Yeah. Uh, Magic Johnson and James Worthy. I mean, that was scoop. And that was spectacular. Mm-hmm. That was r- truly spectacular hockey. With Kane's, um, you know, I don't want to underestimate Kane's contribution to those those goals because his calm in front of the net, especially on that first, his first goal where Drysaddle made the great deke to his backhand, put it over to Kane, and then Kane made a a great deke to his deke to his uh, backhand. Both of them. Poor Mark. Just you know, (laughs) most players would just be slamming that on the goalie. Like honestly, many many players would be just Drysaddle's pass. Kane Mm -hmm. gets it calmly, calmly. Yeah. And um, I wonder if he'll be. Get, get, there's always controversy around Evander Kane, right? Because he's a yeah. lightning rod. A lot yep. of people don't like Evander Kane for various reasons. I wonder if there'll mm-hmm. be controversy. What is his goal celebration when he put the hat on after the hat trick? <laughs> <laughs> well, some of it is showboating. And I mean, you either hate it or, or, or you like it or there's a place for it. And I, you know, some of Kane's showboating is, I mean, he's a bit of a um, entertainer, shall we say. And, and, uh, uh, he doesn't mind trash talking the other team and you can love that or hate it too, but, uh, he puts it out there. And, uh, uh, I mean, the hat trick was pretty, pretty special to get three goals of that quality in a six minute span, natural hat trick all in one period. Don't see too many of those. And, uh, he, you know, he got his chances and he buried them all basically in that yeah. uh, in that span. So, and he did a couple of things that weren't necessarily so. I thought uh, he took a bad penalty, uh, he did. and I thought he, uh, I thought he was a little sloppy uh, a couple times in the play on the one Calgary goal. But by then the issue wasn't really in doubt. Would have been nice for a shutout. Yeah. Hey, the good thing, uh, the good thing about Leon Bruce mm-hmm. is every game. And I, as people listen to this podcast know, I was really worried about him, mm-hmm. his, his ability, especially after that uh, first game. Yeah. He just looked like he didn't look like he had got, it looked like he had regressed actually from the LA series to the first Calgary game where he just was not um, uh, able to, to help the team a whole heck of a lot, although he did get three points. I think a couple of these just were not of the high, you know, they were just kind of 
secondary in play, assists. secondary assists. But anyway, yeah. he every game the last the last two games he's looked he looked actually a lot better the last game and then this game he looked a lot better from there. So I'm very hopeful about this, Bruce. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. Hopefully, we'll start to see him practicing again with the team and uh, able to get on the ice for that. Like he's still a little bit off on the power play. Um, he still doesn't have full mobility um, out there, but mm-hmm. he he's getting it. He's he's more like he's instead of looking like he's forty percent or thirty percent, he's looking like he's eighty yeah, percent now. Agreed. And uh, that was man, that's huge, Bruce. I'm gonna he's got, uh, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Three three games into the series, Leon's got ten points. Whoa! McDavid's Whoa. got nine. Con- Connor McDavid, Bruce, he's not just breaking <laughs> nice ankles line. out there. <laughs> Connor McDavid is not just breaking ankles. He's he's beheading people, Bruce. These are capitation decapitation strikes mm-hmm. on the op- opposing team when he's going around them. And the one play that comes to mind was uh, this the third goal where he he he's cruising through the uh, neutral zone and, and the pucks in the orders end. and to get the pass from, I think it's from dry settle coming up there as he turns around and skates backwards, mm-hmm. he gets the puck and he spins around the guy effortlessly. Mm-hmm. He makes it look so easy. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. He made a move in, in, in the first period too, where he corkscrewed into the slot where it looked like they had him contained and all of a sudden, there's McDavid doing some weird pirouette that you just couldn't see coming, and and he, and he comes free in the slot. Nothing came of it, but the, the just the skating move itself. I mean, that's something you'd expect from uh, Kurt Browning or something in terms of the, the footwork, and he, uh, uh, he had a few of those uh, going on tonight, and another, uh, uh, brilliantly entertaining show from uh, number ninety-seven. Yeah, decapitation strikes, basically <laughs> out there. It's ugly. L- listen, they don't know what to do. Like they literally, this is a this is a tough team that would like mm-hmm. to s- pound him into smithereens. Yeah. But he, you make contact with him, and he's suddenly. Mm-hmm. Who knew this was going to happen? I, I yeah. think he has taken his game in these playoffs to another level, and it's mm-hmm. on. It's 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 in terms of puck protection. Maybe he's watching Zach Hyman how Hyman does it. But anyway, yeah. You know, you 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 combine Hyman's doggedness on the puck mm-hmm. protect and his ability to puck protect and bounce off checks, then you put Connor McDavid saying, "I'm going to do that," and and At man, he's just miles an hour. spinning off them incredibly. <laughs> yeah, it's really amazing, and this is a new thing. Like, I mean, we've there's masters of the puck protect: Peter mm-hmm. Forsberg, um, Yarmir Yager. Leon Dreisaitl, mm-hmm. Joe Thornton, usually, yeah. you know, Hyman for a smaller player, but McDavid's as big as Hyman, I think. Mm-hmm. And he's yeah. just, he is puck protecting like he has never puck protected before. He's taken the initial contact mm-hmm. and, it, and it really does remind me of a basketball player in, in the, um, in the key, you know, getting the pass in the key, take the contact, bounce off it and attack. And they have nothing to, they, you know, he did it. Um, there was a play in LA where it really started off. It was on the board and I think it might've been, Oh, it was, it was Philip Deneau, the great checking, you know, maybe the best checking center in the NHL. And you know, sure. hit him. He bounced off Deneau and went right to the net. And since then he's just been, it's just mm-hmm. been nonstop with the decapitation moves. All right. Um, my good thing is Zach Hyman. Mm-hmm. Bruce, he had, let me just check this. I think he had, uh, how many shots on net? Seven. 
seven shots on net. Mm-hmm. He had six major contributions to grade A to uh, grade A shots today, Bruce. Yeah. Every single one of them was a shot. Yeah. Wow. Every single one of his major contributions was a shot. Yeah. And um, you know, the goal stands out because it was an absolutely fantastic place shot. He got it away quickly, right off the post. Um, it's a perfect shot. But the 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 play that stands out is his one man uh, virtuous cycle of the puck, where he I think he won it on the boards and he's cycling it around and gets a slot a slot shot in the third period. He's a, he has an amazing ability to win the puck, puck protect, puck protect, move his feet, move his feet, uh, get it to the net, get a shot on net. I mean, we've seen this multiple yeah. times playoff season where he does that. Yeah, I just watched that sequence a few minutes before the podcast. I remember Del Hyman, he made a play inside his own blue line to uh, chip chip a puck uh, out of the zone, and the Calgary defenseman went to recover it, and Hyman made a play on him to steal off him. I think that might have been Stone. He, he So he took it the second time. He chipped it into Calgary's territory. Then he won a race to it, and he was along the boards, pinning it against the boards, holding it, killing a little bit of time, and then... Suddenly he's bursting out into a seam and right into the slot for a shot on net. And he had the puck. I think his first touch was at was it 7.52 and the actual shot was at 7.40. So he had the puck for like a full 10 seconds in there. And he started from the defensive zone and basically worked it all the way up to a dangerous shot on their net. <laughs> What's yeah. not to like? Killing time while he's doing it. <laughs> Such a long... Long segment. So that was uh, that was one of the highlights of the third period for sure. The Hyman maneuver, mm-hmm. um, which he does repeatedly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he um, he's now uh, tied for twenty third in playoff scoring uh-huh. with uh, eight points in ten games, including six goals. So nice. he and he's uh, unlike his time in Toronto. Bruce, I'd like to point out that he won a playoff round and advanced to the second round. That never happened when he was with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Right. So um, a, a big, it was a big move for him, right? He was yeah, a, awesome. a favorite. And, um, you know, in Toronto, there was a general, I, I think it was kind of like when there's a good player on your team and you know you can't keep him because of salary cap constraints, you kind of start to get your head around it. And you make, right. you kind of think, oh, this is okay. We, we'll live with this. And that's the, the kind of mood I got in Toronto was they didn't like it, but they had right. their head around it. But man, they, I wonder if they're thinking we picked the wrong guy to get rid of and not keep you know there's a there's a there's starting to be a long list of former toronto maple leafs who have ex- excelling in other nhl cities cody cc tyson berry jason marchman <laughs> yeah um, yeah all those guys LA, on the kings yeah. sean dirty and who are the other ones yeah there's starting to be a long kind of trail of mm-hmm. and i remember this happened with the oilers and it starts to add up and you start to think who's what's going on Maybe all the calls made sense. And certainly they were up against the cap. And 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 you know what? The orders are going to be up against the cap. And they're going to lose a good player or two this summer, I think. Just because they can't they can't afford them. Trevor Definitely. Moore and Carl Grunstrom are the other guys in, in yeah. L.A. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I think if you ask the Toronto fan, or at least throughout the year, and maybe their opinion changes now, but uh, uh, Toronto knew they couldn't afford Hyman. So they identified Michael Bunting. As a free agent to take his spot, they signed him a two-year deal at $950,000, and Bunting scored more than Hyman did, and there are Toronto fans that say he's better. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but... Uh, How about uh, they have did, both of them? 
they did find a hell of a good replacement for cheap. So there, that was a less of a stinging loss than it might have been, let's put it that way. But uh, Fair enough. Uh, Hyman's looking pretty good in blue and orange. Yeah, it's like CeCe and Larson, right? Like the, the loss mm-hmm. of Larson. Nice to have both in a way, right? Like if you could have both, yeah, that would be ideal. Because yeah. mm-hmm. just because you lost, mm-hmm. just because you have Bunting doesn't mean it was good to lose Hyman. I mean, if you, you could sign Bunting for that amount of money and have both of those guys, then maybe, you, mm-hmm. maybe that makes a difference. Anyway, I don't want to, Toronto's suffering enough, aren't they? So that's tough just, times. yeah, it is tough times. <coughs> All right, uh, Bruce, your second good thing. Yeah, I'm going to give the nod to uh, Greybeard goaltender Mike Smith. Uh, I thought he was, uh, I thought he was solid tonight through 40 minutes. And then uh, nothing short of tremendous in the early going of the third period when Calgary really stormed the Bastille there for the, uh, opening few minutes of the third, and uh, uh, Smith came up with a number of great saves. Oh, I forgot to mention Zach Hyman. He made one of those saves. We talked about Zach Hyman. He made a goal line save off of, uh, was it Backland? Somebody had an open net, and Hyman covered the short side post and got a skate <coughs> skate on the shot that was heading for the open side with Smith yeah. down and out on the other side. So add that to Hyman's score. I will be when grading the game. But uh, um, Smith stopped the other ones, and uh, especially in that early third period barrage. But he made a few key saves along the along the way. Calgary guys got loose in behind Oilers defenders. Uh, Manji Pani got behind Nurse for one real dangerous shot that uh, uh, Smith just got the edge of his pad on. And uh, the individual uh, uh, saves were were solid. But really, he stood tall when the game was was on the line. Of course, he got a, a, a phantom assist on the first goal when he kept the play alive and he rolled the puck out to, I think that was uh, that was McDavid on the, uh, or was it dry saddle to McDavid back to dry saddle to Hyman? Anyway, it was a goal where the puck went 200 feet in about seven seconds and it was Smith's alertness that kept the play alive and get, got it going north. Uh, and then, of course, he also drew a five-minute power play in the third period when uh, uh, Milan Lucic decided not to stop when uh, Smith was out playing the puck and gave him a pretty hard ride into the boards. And uh, his helmet popped off, and uh, there was all kind of huge scrum around, skates, sticks flashing around. Poor Smith was just covering his, his head for... With, you know, I mean, his life's at stake almost literally in that situation if something goes wrong. But uh, they decided he had concussion protocol. And I thought, well, if he had a concussion, maybe he wouldn't have been so smart about protecting himself after. Yeah, he's off himself aware of went. And uh, so that kind of kind of messed up with, uh, you know, at that point he was going for a shutout. And then uh, once Koskinen came in for a bit, the, sh- the shutout would have been considered a shared one. And, and eventually Calgary did get the one goal late. But uh, I thought Smith, for all of the competitive part of the game, was strong. And at that time, early in the third, where Calgary easily could have, I think, had a couple of goals and made it for a very nervous last 15 or so minutes, that uh, Smith stood huge in the net. And he's uh, he's got his mojo. And, you know, he's got a swagger, and as he was doing this puck moving he was charged with three turnovers so it wasn't all uh, sweetness and light but uh uh nothing that wound up being costly 
So uh, stick top to you, Mike Smith. Yeah, he was fantastic in that second, third period flurry. But the the the, the saves that I was impressed with, so there was the Mangiapane one that you pointed out. Yeah. And then in the, in the third, when the orders got up 3 nothing, um, the Flames, their best chance to get back in the game, I think, really was came. There was a um, oh, yeah, breakaway. And I can't remember who took the first shot. I think it was Kachuk who got the rebound. But mm-hmm. he made two spectacular, absolutely spectacular saves on Calgary Flames players when it was 3 nothing and 3-1 halfway through the third you can come back from um, halfway through the second excuse me halfway through the second and he he was those were absolutely crucial saves so Mike Smith uh, he he deserves your your good thing status tonight Bruce Mm -hmm. um, based on those saves and others through the game how did I forget though I mean I got my notes in here somewhere and we'll be covering it in the game grades but there was certainly yeah before that third period barrage, a few isolated excellent saves and that. I mean, Goudreau on a breakaway, Kachuk on a, on oh. a rebound, glove grab. And, oh. Wow. And that, uh, that threw water on the fire before it even got started. Yeah. It was fantastic. You know, the, the owners have a couple guys with some real swagger, Smith and Kane, right? Like these two mm-hmm. guys yeah. <laughs> have come into town and changed i think the complexion of the team significantly maybe keith in a different way and and actually duncan keith and evan bouchard are my um other my other good thing i just thought um you know they're not perfect defensemen but they 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 really move the puck well and evan bouchard's starting to look very polished out there you know he he went through some very extremely shaky periods this year he was moved up to the top pairing uh, pairing with darnell nurse at one point, and he really started to struggle, leaking grade A shots against. And, you know, he's a rookie, and you're expecting this. And it, and I think our comment at the time was, this isn't good, but he is a rookie, and we expect he'll get better. Well, before our eyes in the playoffs, he's becoming more composed. He, <coughs> excuse me, of course, he's got his great shot. And every time he's out there on the power play, especially, I'm hoping that he gets past the puck so he can unleash that shot. It doesn't happen enough as far as I'm concerned. But um, he's just very solid, he and Keith, getting the puck, moving the puck, getting the puck, moving the puck. And um, the Oilers had a reputation for a decade at least of a, of a team without that kind of player, without those really solid puck-moving players. Now, almost every one of their defensemen <coughs> is able to do that, um, get the puck, move it. And these guys, these two players lead the way. They're, they really work well together. And... Um, I think Bouchard kept a clean sheet on defense, which which means not one mistake on a grade A shot against it even strength. So he, you know, if he made mistakes, if there were shots and stuff out there when he was out there, well, they weren't they weren't uh, generally he wasn't at the he wasn't the cause of any heinous ones um, against the Oilers, and Keith was just uh, tagged with one of them, in according to our analysis, so at even strength. So <coughs> the Oilers need. These two players, and it's funny because Duncan Keith's kind of had an up and down playoff. I'm going to suggest he's had he's been mm-hmm. inconsistent. He's, he's had some um, real good games, and he's had uh, two or three that were not good at all. Yeah. So, but he overall he's been really good, and and in games I think in games uh, six and seven when they had to win, yeah. and in games um, two and three when they when they did win against the Flames, Keith has been really good. So he, they've been getting, you know, frankly, full value 
for both the uh, the trade and the contract in those games. The, the final evaluation of that trade can't really be made until the playoffs are over. I'm going to suggest it's it's a position I've had all year, mm-hmm. and I think it's 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 still it's we still can't say whether that really worked out for the Oilers or not because they paid a steep price in terms of cap hit. Now we don't know who else the Oilers might have got instead of Duncan Keith, right? That's the other question. How could they have used that money? Maybe they could have got someone better for cheaper. We don't know. Um, but anyway, we're we're going to be evaluating this. I mean, people have been weighing in all year. People have very strong opinions one way or the the other on whether it's worked out. I mean, I just generally think it's it's trending towards working out. It has for some time. He his play started to really pick up in I think it's December. He had a strong second half of the season. And generally speaking, aside from a few rough games, that strong play has continued in the playoffs. Bouchard's also trending up. So um, is that ever good news? Because this is the second pairing. They need these guys to to really play well in tough minutes, and they're doing it. I like I like Keith's game, game too. I thought it was really good. Maybe he played his best game of the whole season. Tonight, quieter, but uh, I didn't see him as really getting... Uh, getting shown up and, you know, beaten by. I was really concerned about Calgary's uh, wide speed against him coming into this series. I thought people yeah. might eat his lunch or even Manji Pani, but uh, uh, I'm not really seeing that yet, so hopefully that'll that'll hold. But, uh, I think Manji Pani would eat his bread. Yes. Literally. <laughs> um, um, all right, Bruce, what is your bad thing yeah well i gotta go to that first few minutes of the third period and i'll start by giving full credit to calgary down four nothing and they changed their goalie and it looked like they were uh you know out of the game um but they poured it on right from the first shift and i i I think they had a couple of dangerous chances that weren't in the end shots on net but right away the play started in edmonton's zone there was a know icing after 24 seconds or something calgary had already had two good looks and i'm going this is not the way to do it boys you know bear down and anyway what proceeded after that was a wild uh chaos of uh of uh of calgary chances edmonton's failed clearances and uh just all kinds of uh yelling at the TV moments and what should be a nice, safe, four-nothing lead, you know. And there was one sequence in particular that ended with an Edmonton penalty where Calgary had basically three great chances in a row and then a fourth one, Yeah, uh, I think, at the end of it. Uh, let's, yeah, let's that's right. find it here. Correct, Bruce. 17 17-21, 17-16, 17 minutes. Then on the power play, 16:44 and 16:31, they literally had six grade A shots in less than one minute of wow. playing time. And there was one that came around there where uh, Smith made the save, and the puck was lying in the crease, and Hyman sort of chipped it out a little ways, and Pugliarvi managed to overskate it with both skates. <laughs> it still skating over the puck. He tried to drag it with the second skate. He missed it. It's still in there. That was the one where Hyman made the save off of the goal line because Smith yeah. was down and out. And then, <sighs> and then on the power play, even they had a, a bad line change. I mean, they they finally got the puck out, and then the next thing you know, Calgary's got a three-on-one, Kachuk, Kudrow, et cetera, you know, three-on-one on the power play. And you're going, how'd that happen? 
So just just those few minutes, maybe uh, we had grade eight shots at eight to zero in the first uh, under seven minutes of the third. And I just thought they were a little bit, uh, they put the finish line ahead of where it actually was in this game. And they uh, once I got out of that, no, once Lucic took the penalty, they were mostly fine. But it yeah. was uh, just those few nervous moments and uh, as bad things go. I mean, they didn't get scored on even once, so it's not that bad. But in this game, it was by far the worst stretch of the game for Edmonton. So yeah, it's my bad thing. Yeah, it was really one bad shift and then one bad kill. Yeah, and yeah. that was a bad shift. I mean, Nuge, Nuge and Pulley RV and and Tyson Berry were really and Kulak were really struggling on that. Like they, and it was all kind of multiple and different errors, different mistakes on mm-hmm. each uh, of the Grade A shots against. It wasn't good. Bruce, my bad thing is going to be the Calgary cheap shots. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not. Uh, I think the Milan Lucic play was. I don't I, like. I'm not as upset about that as the other one that I'm going to talk about. The Lucic one was. You know, Smith had the puck. Mm-hmm. Lucic, I, th- I thought he did kind of hold. Like, he wasn't barreling in a million miles an hour. He was cruising in. Mm-hmm. And he didn't let up. But, he oh. was, you know, the goalie's got the puck and he's trying to play it. Like, he's he's trying to stir things up. And he did hit him against the boards pretty good. I don't know. It seemed like the kind of play that if an Oiler made it, my team was down 4 nothing. I'd be cheering it on, like, honestly. So, I'm not going to say, I don't think it was the worst kind of heinous foul. Mm-hmm. Um, that I've seen. That said, the next one, and this was uh, Mangiapani on Archibald, I thought was 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 ghastly. It was a knee on knee hit mm-hmm. that was completely uncalled for. Um, it was lined up. It looked to me it was lined up from some some distance. <clears throat> Very could have you know that's the kind of play that can blow a guy's knee out. What are you? What is he? What are you doing, Mangiapani? Like, that's just a jerk play, and you deserve to be suspended for that. I hope that goes to player safety, and you get suspended for a game or two. Because that was a really dirty, nasty, uncalled-for play late in a game. And, um, you know, if someone does that to you, you, well, you've got it coming big time. So, that's what I would say to Andrew Maggiapani. I didn't like that at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Luchich one, I was, I was a little surprised they called a major, although, as I said to... Uh, uh, Anna at the time watching the game that uh, I said, you know, normally they got two for goaltender interference. I mean, he actually boarded the goalie. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he did. So, so what are you going to call two minutes for goaltender interference? So they actually called it a charging major, and I thought it was a little bit. Um, it was a bit of a harsh call on on Lucic, to be frank. But I think the refs were thinking four and nothing, ten minutes left. Yeah. Calgary's starting to run around. Let's just put this one to bed, and they they more or less did. Uh, and there was a hell of a big scrum after there. All the Oilers' tough guys like uh, like Kulak and uh, and Barry were getting involved in there, <laughs> and and Calgary had on the ice uh, Zadorov, Richie, uh, Lucic. And presumably Good Branson, who didn't show up on the penalty summary, but Trevor Lewis did. So four of the five flames on the ice, and three of them were like 220-plus pound kind of mean guys, right? Tough guys, uh, especially uh, Zadorov. He's crazy at times. And uh, Lucic, we know, and, and uh, uh, Richie, you know, he's like a 220-pound bruiser. So... 
And yeah, the others did just... have Archibald and Cassian out there, and Cassian got involved in that a little bit, but uh, they had their smallish pairing of Kulak Berry, but those guys don't back down. I, I'm liking what I'm seeing from Kulak, and I'm liking what I'm seeing from Tyson Berry. I don't think he's oh, gotten yeah. anywhere near enough credit for what he's for what he's been doing for Edmonton, including scoring the huge game winner in Game Six in L.A. with the score tied 2-2 in the last few minutes of the third period with Oilers' season on the line. I hardly heard anything after that about Tyson Berry scores huge goal to win crucial game for Oilers was like let's talk about the guys who set him up and they you know and they deserve their headlines too but uh Barry's uh uh doing what he can do and he, you know he gets beat defensively once in a while and uh, if you have to accept that's part of the package but the package also includes uh, a fair bit of feistiness which I for one have been appreciating and some uh, good offense Jeez, he broke someone ankles himself tonight down in the first period down in the Left-wing face-off circle, he did a 270-degree reverse up the boards, and the guy, I think, just went down, and Barry tried to, one of those high short-side shots, try to hit it off of Markstrom's head and in, and he didn't miss by much. Yeah, he did. And it was a, a very just high-skilled play in the move. I mean, do you think that's a forwards move, not a D-man? But anyway, uh, he's... Uh, um, He's not everyone's cup of tea, but uh, he's bringing his game, and I, I think he's playing hard. Well, that's your third pairing, right? And both these players can really mm-hmm. skate, and they can both really yeah. pass the puck. And yeah. this is the modern this is modern hockey, mm-hmm. um, where you have to be able to <laughs> make those passes and get that puck out of your end. And the Oilers have a full team roster of a defenseman that can do it. And thank goodness that Cece um, looked like he might be healthy after that taking that puck on the hand. That I felt that for scary. him, defenseman oh. who get beater beaten and battered and. He's going to be hurting. That's going to hurt for a while, but um, hopefully it's hopefully it's okay. Everything's okay there. It hit the hand holding the stick too. So sometimes yeah. those can do a real squash job on the fingers. Whereas you get hit in the open hand, your hand can move with it. But if your hand's holding the stick, where are your fingers going to go? Right. You got a hard puck going 90 miles an hour on one side, and a composite stick on the other. So Turns it cheap. Oh, sorry, Bruce. No. In terms of cheap shots, Kachuk's hack on Smith in the first period, too, I didn't like that at all. And uh, that was close to, I thought, close, to, very close to a penalty. Should have been a penalty, I think. He just went up and absolutely slashed him as Smith was playing the puck. I didn't think that was kosher, and, mm-hmm. and uh, they should have called him. But Kachuk has that Corey Perry kind of immunity already, I think, in the NHL, so he gets away with all kinds of crap. Um. Bruce, what's your number? Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, with Josh, or, or sorry, Zach Hyman's line from the stat sheet tonight. Uh, we don't have any on ice numbers, natural stat tricks down at the moment, but we do have uh, just off the uh, event summary one goal plus one, 23 minutes and three seconds for uh, Zach Hyman led the Oilers in uh, uh, in ice time. Uh, with 27 shifts, he, he played 5.38 on the power play and 3.39, team high on the penalty kill that went 4-for-4 four four in this game. And he was doing uh, some very good work on that penalty killing. Uh, and then out in the you know actual counted events, uh, seven shots on goal, nine shot attempts, uh, two hits, zero giveaways, Two takeaways, two block shots, including that goal saver right on the goal line when he was yeah. in behind. So, and of those seven shots, we know from our estimation there were six 
high danger shots by the Oilers. So these aren't just crooked numbers of you know meaningless shots from the boards or uh, some some uh, hit long after the pass was made or something like he was involved around the puck and making key plays all night long. And it actually shows up on his sheet here. He uh, he played his ass off in this game, Zach Hyman again. Two excellent games in a row for him. Alrighty. Um, <coughs> yeah, he was just fantastic. First, my numbers are 23 and 19, and they translate in two, into 2.3 points per game and 1.9 points per game. That's Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl's point total after 10 games. 23 points oh. for McDavid, 19 for Dreisaitl, <laughs> playing sick. We hear he has some kind of illness to start the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And then um, on one leg for the last five games. So he has been like that's and it's incredible what Leon Dreisettle has been able to do when injured. And um, I can't wait for him to continue to get healthy. Evander Kane is fourth in scoring 13 points mm-hmm. in 10 games. Yeah. Um, so and he leads the NHL in um, goals with 10 in 10 games. So uh, Nikita Kucherov has 15 points in 10 games for the Tampa Bay Lightning. He's uh, the third place guy. So McDavid is all, get this Bruce. Holy moly. Now plus minus goals plus minus is not always the most important stat. It can be very misleading. For instance, oh, Darnell Nurse was plus three this game and he really struggled. He, he leaked some great A shots against, but anyway, Sometimes it really does indicate who's playing well. Connor McDavid in 10 games is plus 16, Bruce. He's plus 16 goals mm-hmm. in the playoffs. Next best is Jacob oh. Slavin and Evander Kane. They're both plus nine in 10 games. So McDavid's, um, you know, he as, I, as I've been saying, he, he has gone supernova in these uh-huh. playoffs. Whatever he was before, as fantastic as he was before, he is that much better right now. He is a he is a player on a mission, and you see it in his face. You see it in his demeanor. You see it in every single shift. Um, this this player who's decided he's not going to be denied this year, and we'll see if anyone can do it. Like it is a team game. Um, there's lot, obviously lots of hockey to go, including probably of you know there's just a super tough series against the Flames. Come you know who knows what's going to happen. And then the next one, if it's Colorado or St. Louis, if the orders get by the Flames, that's going to be really tough too. And then you might get there and you face Tampa. So <clears throat> anyway, I he I don't think he can win the Conn Smythe based on two rounds of play, but he will he will come the closest to anyone in NHL history if the orders go out. Like he could have thirty points um, in after two rounds of hockey quite easily. I think here. And um, he's just, he's crushing it. Yeah, well, here's some numbers for you. This could have been my numbers, except I was literally just looking them up while they were going through. Uh, uh, Evander Kane leads the playoffs in goals with 10, 10 games. He leads the entire league in shots on goal with 43. And he leads the entire league in hits with 48. Tonight he had wow. six shots and ten hits, <laughs> ten hits credited in this game, and that's a, that's a stat that you know it's it's a, uh, it's a judgment call, and not all rinks are exactly the same on hits for in particular, but uh, 
still i mean he's been he was getting credit with hits in la and calgary as well and and uh, he's five ahead of anybody in that department he's got <coughs> one more shot than zach hyman and nathan mckinnon with Connor mcdavid and johnny goodrow in, in uh, a couple shots back from that but uh that's, I mean, you're over four shots a game, all of these guys. And uh, McKinnon's only played seven games, so he's getting six shots a game. But uh, still, uh, Kane is uh, putting crooked numbers on the on across the event summary. And to me, that's a hallmark of a uh, power forward. He's also third in penalty minutes, whether you call that good or bad. But he's, you know, he's in there he's making stuff happen he's in the middle of the action he's not backing down from anything or anybody yeah well good signing by ken holland good signing by ken holland and uh i don't think the orders get by la without evander kane um with all the other injuries so um absolutely you know they listen they needed to win they needed to do something this year and um with McDavid and Drysaddle in their prime, and they're yeah. doing it. You know, we don't know where it's going to go, but I think they've done. They're 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 on their way to doing it, doing something. They they won around, which they hadn't done since 2017, and uh, they're playing well so far against Calgary. We'll see what happens in the next game, though. We're going to see a fired up Calgary Flames team, yeah. super fired up Calgary Flames team in Game Four, and um, we'll hope Oilers can keep their tough. level. Yeah, I hear you, Bruce. All right, well, you got to do the game grade, so we should I probably do. move along here then. Any final thoughts? Uh, just that uh, this was a very satisfying win for the Oilers, and the, and the second period is something I'm going to watch tomorrow morning. I'm just going to turn on and watch the entire 20 minutes from start to back and appreciate it for what it was, which was... Uh, uh, not quite 100% Oilers domination, but uh, good goaltending when Calgary did get their couple of chances. And then Edmonton just turning on the power with that uh, uh, with that high capacity first line. Kane, McDave, and Drysaddle. And really, they're all three power forwards at this point. Yeah, they really are. McDavid was, they said he led the, they three said he had the start of the tonight. game, he was leading them in the, the series in hits or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, three more to hits tonight, but uh, Kane had 10 and passed them. Yeah, showtime. So, All right, Bruce. All right. Thanks for talking tonight. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast. <laughs>